Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talking About Balls. I am Justin George, by myself today. Uh, Kyle's a little under the weather. He doesn't have uh, a voice. He can hardly talk. So it's just me going solo, flying the ship. Normally, if he was, you know, something happened, we would do stereo. But uh, but he warned me that his voice is just constantly going out and not not doing the best. So just me. And boy, is it a doozy of a week. Go figure. Never fails with the, being a Cleveland fan of any sport. Always drama. Always something. Just when you think the tables have turned and greatness is on the horizon, obviously. Reality sets back in. So let's unpack it. Let's get started. First things first. We'll talk about the Pittsburgh game. We're going to talk about the OBJ drama and how that's unfolded today. We'll talk a little bit about the Cavs. The Who Gives a Fuck World Series is officially over. Uh, who really gives a fuck? I mean, the Braves won. Kudos. Nobody watched. Um, that's about it. That's There's your baseball coverage for the day. Uh, and then we'll get into week nine. Let's do it. All right, so the Browns played the Steelers on Sunday, as you guys remember last week, as we did our picks. I hoped that I would be wrong, but I did say that the Steelers are going to shut down the run game, which they did, and they're going to force Baker Mayfield to beat them, which he can't do. So what happened? Exactly that. Now, I feel like I'm in a fucking Twilight Zone episode or Groundhog Day with the amount of excuses that get that get laid out for Baker Mayfield and eventually are you guys just going to accept that he's just not a very good quarterback why did why do people still think that one day he's just going to roll out of bed and be great why is that still a thing we're here in year 4 i've listened to excuses from every fucking angle i've heard Hugh Jackson okay that was the excuse year 1 Hugh Jackson didn't coach him right with Freddie Kitchens he'll be great he's unleashed Freddie Kitchen's season happened. He was terrible. There were a shitload of interceptions. Unleashed, but in the worst way possible. Kevin Stefanski then gets hired in, and I think he understands what Baker is as a quarterback. He wishes he was Brett Favre in every way possible. The only problem is he's six inches shorter than Brett Favre, doesn't have the arm that Brett Favre had, and doesn't seem to have the NFL IQ that Brett Favre had. You kind of need those if you want to be a Brett Favre clone. So Kevin Stefanski comes along, and I think Kevin Stefanski kind of understands what kind of quarterback Baker is, and he understands that Baker Mayfield is a system-style quarterback. He needs guidance. He, he can't be a gunslinger. You can't let him just throw everything that he wants. You have to have very, very specific plays, very specific game plans, and you can't unleash him as people want, people think. And that's a thing that I'll get to about uh, in, in a couple of minutes. Uh, something I saw on Twitter, fans are saying that they, he, they need to let Baker loose and let him unleash and throw the ball. Uh, how did that work when he did it before? When he did it with Freddie Kitchens, when he did it with Hugh Jackson, he threw what, 25, 26 touchdowns, give or take, 15 interceptions, and we weren't really winning games. Our greatest offensive asset is the running game. It's the offensive line in the running game. The offensive line is first in pass protection. They're near the top in run protection, run blocking, and our run game, when fully healthy, is one of the best in football. 
However, defenses do game plan against things. I, I wonder a lot of things that I've heard a lot of criticism of Kevin Stefanski this week, and, and I hope you guys realize that the team we're playing, they also get paid a lot of money to stop the things we try to do. So just because we have a great running game doesn't mean it's always going to work. There are going to be games where it gets taken out. And that's where you have to rely on something else. And unfortunately, we just can't do that. We can't with Baker Mayfield. We can't. We're a limited team. I, I understand he's hurt. So here's the excuse for this year. Last year, it was OBJ. So Baker sucked the first half of the season. And the second half of the season came along when o- Odell Beckham Jr. was out. And disregard Baker going a, an entire month almost without throwing a touchdown. We're going to disregard that because it was raining. There was bad weather. So we were gonna. there's the excuse for that. We disregard it. Then we go up against really bad teams. We play the New York Giants, who were picking in the top 10 in the draft last year. We play the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the number one pick in the draft last year. We have, or we face the Houston Texans last year, who were supposed to pick in the top five, but they traded their pick because they're idiots. We played the Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, were picking in the top 10 last year. We faced so many bad teams. The Steelers' backups. Oh, and by the way, we faced the number two team in the draft, the New York Jets last year, and without some of our key players, because they were on the COVID list, Baker Mayfield couldn't do anything. He had a horrible game. He fumbled the ball multiple times. He was garbage against the Jets. The two-win Jets last year. They beat a fluky, I mean, I wouldn't even say fluky, the the Rams last year weren't as good as they are this year, because they had Jared Goff still. They beat the Rams. And they beat the Browns, who had Baker Mayfield. What do those two teams have in common? Both of those teams have average quarterbacks at best. And the New York Jets made those quarterbacks beat them. Those quarterbacks could not do it. Boom. Two wins both both games last year. Browns and Rams. But Browns fans don't want to talk about that game, where Baker Mayfield shit the bed and fumbled multiple times. Nope. Why bring that one up? Because, hey, he went out there and beat the Bengals, who, again... We beat the Bengals twice last year in that that hot streak that we were on. Bengals had the fifth overall pick. They were garbage. They were a bad team last year. Now we go to this year. Same thing. More excuses coming out of every fucking orifice on any Browns fan's body. And it's just so old. It's so redundant. I'm so sick of hearing about it. And... The, the Odell Beckham stuff we'll get to, but I'll, we'll first recap the Pittsburgh game. But there were a, a handful of drops in this game, sure. Drops are a part of football. Browns have 10 on the season. I think they had three or four on Sunday. So nearly half their drops came on Sunday. What do Browns fans do immediately? I saw on Twitter people commenting that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are both a couple of overpaid bums who drop everything. They fucking suck. They're terrible, blah, blah, blah. Again, 10 drops for the whole team. Yesterday on a radio show here locally, they broke down uh, individual players' drop percentages. Odell Beckham, who everyone and their brother is now saying is is garbage, drops everything. He has a higher, or I'm sorry, a lower drop percentage than some of the best wide receivers in football right now. He has a lower drop percentage than, I think they said, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, I think the only few people that were ahead of him, he actually has a lower drop percentage than Jarvis Landry. Uh, a couple of the only guys that were ahead of him were like Devontae Adams and uh, Antonio Brown, I think, were like the two that were ahead of him or something like that. I mean, I'm sure there's more. They didn't go over the entire list, but just naming a few people to kind of put you in the show you where they're at on that list. But again, Browns fans don't want to hear that. Browns fans just watch one game, 
They watch one drive, and that's their description of that player forever. Uh, Same can be said for Jarvis Landry fumbled. That was a huge fumble. I'm not going to lie to you. We were driving. However, if you're going to critique one mistake, because fumbles happen, they're extremely unfortunate, but they happen. Nick Chubb summed it up best today. He said, we all have plays we wish we could have back. He said he fumbled against Kansas City, and you know he just you just got to move on. It was a huge mistake. He he wishes it didn't happen, but that's just part of football. What can you do? It happens. So for you want to define Jarvis Landry for that fumble? Great, that's fine. How about the play that's going viral on Twitter that I think I even shared, or at least I sent it to a few people of David Njoku wide open or one on one coverage beating his man. Baker Mayfield doesn't even look his way. Okay, one play. So if I'm going to critique Jarvis Landry for the fumble, there's a critique on Baker, okay? Later in the game, Jarvis Landry had to jump and try to make this incredible acrobatic catch. Couldn't do it. Fourth down, it cost us the game. It didn't cost us the game, but it cost us that possession. And I mean, we ended up losing because of we didn't get the ball back, but um, that was a huge drop. Okay, so there's that. Now we fast forward. There was another play. Baker Mayfield, or uh, the offense goes uh, Harrison Bryant wide open to the right wide fucking open you lob that ball up he maybe gets caught by a safety and gets to the gets inside the 20 instead Baker doesn't look his way incomplete one and one that's what we do right we pick and choose individual plays the one big play that I really want to bring up here is the quote-unquote this is what's coming from stupid very ignorant Browns fans the quote-unquote drop or lack of effort play by Odell Beckham Jr. First and foremost, this just shows, to me, the incompetence of of certain Browns fans that have clearly never really paid attention to football because A, Baker Mayfield throws the ball high a lot. The ball sails on Baker Mayfield a lot, which is extremely dangerous for football players. That means the receiver or you know tight end, whoever, has to jump, expose their body, and hope they don't get destroyed by a defensive player. You've seen guys get hit. You love it when your team makes a big hit. Do you like it when it happens against your team? Because Baker Mayfield must, because he throws the ball so fucking high half the time. Guys have to jump for him, and they have to expose themselves, and that's extremely dangerous. Odell Beckham's playing with a bum shoulder, coming off a surgically repaired ACL, and you guys expect him to make this crazy circus catch on a ball that was thrown behind him? Not going to happen. I don't blame him for not putting both hands up and getting absolutely crushed. Because if you watch that clip, you'll see that he was about to get killed if he tries to catch that ball. Second thing, for those of you calling it a bad play by Odell Beckham, the head coach, our beloved Kevin Stefanski, very bluntly said that is not where that ball was supposed to be thrown. He called out Baker. Nobody wants to talk about that. No, I heard it. I listened to the fucking interview. No Browns fans want to talk about that. It's weird to me how defensive Browns fans are for Baker Mayfield. If you talk about something bad, they just literally ignore it. I have to imagine, I'm not a parent, but I have to imagine that's what parenting is. Because I know a lot of parents are like the, the joke of parents is, oh no, not my Timmy. He would never do that. That's basically Browns fans when it comes to Baker. Baker did this. Baker didn't do that. He missed this read, did that. Oh, no, that's because this person did that. Oh, no, that's because remember when Jarvis fumbled on that play? Yeah, that's why Baker didn't complete this ball 
two quarters ago. Like, what? What the fuck does that mean? It's just any excuse. And truthfully, it's 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 crazy. I feel like I'm banging my head against the fucking wall. So the Browns went out there. The Browns defense played very well, held the Steelers to 15 points, which in this modern day NFL is literally unheard of. And they only scored 10, a Dearness Johnson touchdown and a field goal. That's it. Browns went for it on fourth down a couple more times, did not get it a couple more times. Another issue I have with Baker trying to play hurt is I don't think he's doing it for the better of the team. He's not playing hurt because he wants to win so much and he loves this team and blah, blah, blah. He's playing hurt because he has a contract coming up. And if the more he doesn't play, the less money he's entitled to. So he's trying to play. Meanwhile, he's, it's clearly affecting what he can do because he can't run a quarterback sneak. He can't do a rollout or bootleg like we used to do because he's hurt and we have to protect that arm. So our offense is now limited, which is now making it harder to score and move the ball, which is thus hurting the team entirely. Browns fans don't want to have that conversation. They just say, oh, he's he's a warrior. Look at him out there. He loves Cleveland. He's such a Cleveland guy. Look at him out there playing hurt. Meanwhile, Jarvis Landry was just on the IR. Nick Chubb was just on the IR. Odell Beckham Jr., again, I just mentioned, coming off major knee surgery. He has a hurt shoulder. They're all playing hurt. Our offensive line, for the most part, in its entirety is hurt. Jack Conklin just dislocated his elbow. He's out for a few weeks at least. Everybody on our team is hurt for the most part. But the only one that gets credit for playing hurt is Baker. So Baker plays hurt. He's a warrior, even though he's not playing well. Odell Beckham playing hurt is a bum because he's not playing well. Jarvis Landry playing hurt is a bum because he's not playing well. I'm honestly surprised Browns fans aren't ripping Nick Chubb for only getting like 60 yards on Sunday. I'm truly shocked. I did hear a couple guys calling and complain, and instead of critiquing anybody else, they critiqued the offensive line. And they said, you know, this team's ranked number one with pass rushing and blah, blah, blah. They're supposed to be so good. Then how the hell can't we get a fourth and one? They, they don't get any push. They're weak. They're soft. So it's getting to the point where we're pointing fingers at everybody but six. And it's just crazy to me that Browns fans have done this to themselves. And I just sit back. I bashed him a lot last year. I was in constant Twitter battles I because I was the first person to really critique Baker. And I'm not trying. I'm not saying that as like a brag. I'm not trying to be like, look at me. I'm smarter than everybody. I mean, it just goes without saying. But hang on, I gotta adjust my chair. So you're gonna have to bear with me here. I'll try to keep talking, but we'll see what happens. But uh, but I also was the first one to critique uh, Kevin, uh, not Kevin Svansky, John Dorsey. I was one of the first people to critique uh, John Dorsey, and I mean, and not Freddie Kitchens, because obviously that one goes without saying. But just Baker Mayfield in general, when when Freddie Kitchens was here, I'll never forget that. I, I started critiquing Freddie's or uh, Baker Mayfield, and I started critiquing some of John Dorsey's moves. And then I, I haven't really stopped because I haven't been proven wrong. Baker has done nothing to make me go, you know what? I take it all back. This guy's actually pretty fucking good. Again, he had a decent second half last year. Decent. Everyone I've everyone that talks about it acts as if Baker did this heroic Hall of Fame worthy year. But again, his numbers, if you look at them for his first 3 years are fucking identical for the most part. Identical. But Browns fans see this second half he had last year and say, "Oh, he was balling out. He was great. Look at how good he is." But 
his numbers just equaled an average season for him. Same thing with this year. This year is easily looking like his worst season as a quarterback. Everything is down. His completion percentage is the only thing. His completion percentage went up, and that's just because I think he's thrown a shitload less passes than he normally did. But when he is throwing the ball, he's not effective. So a lot of Browns fans like to only look at stats, and I do that a lot too, and it's not just to fit my narrative. I look at certain stats because they make sense. For the most part, I think I don't have them on the top of my head, or I don't have them in front of me, so I'm going off the top of my head. For the most part, I think he's thrown about about 480 passes a year, I think is the number, give or take. That's like his average. His yards have been about the same. I think it's like 40, not even 4,000. I don't even remember what the fuck it is. I'll have to look it up. But for the most part, everything is identical. Uh, The Browns fans get, you know, obviously they get a little twisted. So then they'll go, well, we don't need to throw the ball that much on this offense. Okay, that's fine then why should we pay him um, $40 million or even $35 million, whatever, um, if he's not doing anything that deserves that? If he he's in an offense where you don't need a great quarterback, why pay him like a great quarterback? What sense does that make to you people? Yeah, here it is. Sorry. All right, I got the stats. So 2018, he had 3,725 yards. Okay. Year two, 3,827 yards. Year three, 3,563 yards. Attempts, 486, 534, 486. Completion percentage, 63.8, 59.4, Touchdowns, 27, 22, 26. If I'm not mistaken, quick math. That's 75. So that's 25 touchdowns a year. Perfect. First three years. Interceptions again. 14, 21, and then 8. eight. Great, great percentage right there. Honestly, that was really good. Good for him last year. That's it. This year, he's about halfway to where, he sh- where he's going to be. And it's kind of ironic. We're almost halfway through the season. He has 204 passing attempts. 66.7%. So that's gone up. That's great. 1,700 yards. Okay, so times that by two, because again, we're about halfway through the season. He's on pace to have almost 1,000 yards less than normal. Touchdowns, six. And we're about halfway through the season. So he's on pace to maybe have 15. And he has three interceptions. So again, halfway through the season. On pace to go like 15 and 7, give or take, touchdowns, interceptions. That's a $40 million quarterback to you people. That's elite. And that's giving him the benefit of the doubt, or not the benefit of the doubt, but credit because we are halfway through the season and he did miss a game. So, yes, his numbers should technically be down if there's one less game, but other than that, even across the board, they're down. He's just not a good quarterback, people. It's unfortunate. We all wanted it. And then again, same thing. We have the Odell Beckham stuff that happened on Monday. His dad tweeted a video or posted on Instagram, whatever. I don't even know where the fuck it was. And it's a video that I think a fan made or somebody made. And it's an 11-minute montage of clips since Odell Beckham returned against the Bears Week 3. And it's an 11-minute video of plays where Odell is wide open. And this isn't an exaggeration post of like, 
open in Madden, where you could complete this if you're playing on rookie in Madden. This is literally wide open passes where you would hope a number one overall pick, not just a competent quarterback, a number one overall pick could hit that guy a few times. Instead, Odell Beckham just doesn't get the ball. And that's fine. I've accepted that. I was not one of these fans that came in going, oh, Odell's going to tear it up and have a career year, blah, blah, blah. I've accepted that Odell Beckham is a shell of himself in this offense. I don't even think if he goes somewhere else, he will be any better. That's another, I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, we're holding him back 100%. I just do think that Baker is such a limited quarterback that he is held back. Odell. Because for fans that want to look at Odell and shit on him because he's not producing, because he's a highly paid quarter or wide receiver, and because John Dorsey, again, a Dorsey move, traded a first-round pick for him. Who else is producing on this offense? I think our leading receiver is David Njoku. And I think 90% of his yards came in the, the, the Chargers game and the fucking Chiefs game. Weeks one and, what, five or whatever, whenever the hell we played the Chargers. That's majority of his numbers. Two games. He's our leading receiver. I know Landry's been hurt, but even Landry hasn't done a whole lot this year. We have one wide receiver, I'm sorry, two wide receiver touchdowns now because uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones caught a Hail Mary. So Donovan Peoples-Jones has a touchdown. I think Rashard Higgins has a touchdown. That's it. Two wide receiver touchdowns on the season. So Jarvis Landry's numbers are really bad this year. He has no touchdowns. He has a couple drops. Are Browns fans going to turn on Landry for having a quarter of a bad season so far because he's missed three games. We've only played eight. So he hasn't, he's barely had half of a season and Browns fans hate Odell because he doesn't produce, but Baker has had three and a half bad years or I won't even, I won't say bad. He's good. I've said that before. Baker's a good quarterback. He's good enough to be on an okay team or be a backup. I'm sorry. That's just the honest truth. So we're willing to defend Baker Mayfield three years in. Again, we're defending a guy who's never been to a Pro Bowl, didn't win Rookie of the Year or come close to it. He hasn't been an All-Pro, hasn't been a second-team All-Pro, hasn't done really anything statistically that sets him apart as a quarterback. But we're going to critique guys that are Pro Bowlers in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. We're going to critique and hate. We ran a guy out of town, Odell Beckham Jr., basically. I understand what he did. I'll talk more about that and give you my honest opinion on everything in a second. But essentially, the fans ran him out because Odell Beckham's been getting shit for, from fans for years for not producing. For years, because he hasn't since he's been in Cleveland. So it's fair. But that guy was a rookie of the year. He was, if I'm not mistaken, a second-team All-Pro. He was multiple-time Pro Bowler. The guy's pretty good. At one point, he was considered one of the best receivers in football. Jarvis Landry was never really that highly coveted as a player. But again, pro bowler, damn good wide receiver. Baker Mayfield, what's in his trophy case? A couple FedEx fucking passers of the week? I don't even know who, Pepsi fucking arm of the week? I don't even know who has those awards. Who gives a shit? They're meaningless. I think FedEx is the ground, so I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm wrong on that one. I think that's running backs only. Um... But FedEx flies, so maybe they do have a FedEx passer, air guy of the week or something, whatever the fuck. So Baker might have a couple of those in the closet, but who gives a shit? The fact that we're we're bashing talented players, and, and another thing too are, are Browns fans that were ripping on Miles Garrett. He shouldn't have the 
uh, quarterback gravestone in his yard. And then he went to the game dressed as the Grim Reaper with the quarterbacks he sacked on the back of the shirt. That's badass. That guy's a pro bowler. That guy's probably a Hall of Famer. That guy leads the league in sacks. He leads the league in tackles for loss. Well, he's tied for lead league. He leads the league in, in or tied for lead league in quarterback pressures. All these amazing stats that you need to, that his position, those are the only stats you can really uh, uh, accumulate. And he leads the NFL in them. He's He might win defensive player of the year. Again, pro bowler. One of the best players in football. Um, probably going to be a Hall of Famer as long as his career continues this way. And I see Brown fans critiquing him. Oh, why would he do that? What an embarrassment. Why wear that outfit? Meanwhile, a few years ago, Baker Mayfield's shaving mustaches into his face. He's shaving at halftime when we lose. He's doing embarrassing things like that, and Browns fans ate it up. They love it. Everything Baker does, they love. Love, love, love. It's weird to me. It's very weird. You want to act that way for a Tom Brady? Sure, I get it. Fuck everybody else on my team if I have Tom Brady. That guy's who we build around. What that guy says goes. Not Baker Mayfield. No fucking way. No way. So the Odell thing, yes, it was in bad taste. Do I think Odell had his father send that out and and have friends and shit like that tweet about him getting free from Cleveland? Yes. Yes, I do. I think he orchestrated it. Do I blame him? No. Do I hate that it's happening because he's on the Browns? Absolutely. If you were on any other team, I would be on here right now going, good for Odell. That, That quarterback sucks. He deserves to fucking leave town. That's how I feel here. It just sucks that it's for my team. He is a very good wide receiver. He's come through. He's battled through a lot of adversity to get where he is. He busted his ass in the offseason to get back onto the field for this team. And Browns fans ran him out of town in a few games. The video that was shown initially, there were no negative things about Baker. It's just a video showing that this guy gets open. Now, Browns fans hate it. Browns fans hate that he would do that disrespectful to Baker. However, he's showing Browns fans how many chances we had. The Browns have lost a handful of games by less than a touchdown. Week one against Kansas City. Obviously, Odell wasn't there, so I'm just using this as an example. But week one against Kansas City, we lost by less than a touchdown. The Chargers game, we lost by less than a touchdown. Against the Steelers, we lost by less than a touchdown. Now, where there's a video out there that shows all of these missed opportunities that could either be a touchdown or lead to a touchdown. And I even go back to the Minnesota Vikings game. Obviously, our defense stepped up and shut them down. However, we only won by a touchdown. And Baker missed, if I'm not mistaken, two wide-open balls to Odell that would have been walk-in touchdowns if he could have just hit him on the numbers or even close to his numbers. Browns fans won't critique Baker for missing those. But Odell doesn't get himself murdered on Sunday against the Steelers' defense. And Browns fans are done with him. They call that a drop, which, like, just logically speaking, the NFL is never going to categorize that ball as a drop. That is completely a, 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 a bad, poorly thrown ball by Baker. It's considered uncatchable for the most part. And it's no different than the ball against Minnesota. Remember when Baker or Odell was flying down the sideline and Baker threw it behind him? Do you you blame Odell for that? Or do you blame Baker for a bad throw? Obviously, anybody with a, with a brain is going to blame Baker. 
Now he does the same thing, this time just on a different route. It's the same concept. It's a poorly thrown ball behind a receiver. He had no chance of catching. So Browns fans blame Odell. Same thing, same situation. This one just wouldn't have resulted in a, in a touchdown. Even if it were a, a, a nicely thrown ball, Odell probably would have got his clock cleaned. But at least it would have been a drop because it would have been a, a, a ball that hits him in the hands or the chest or whatever. And if the ball gets knocked out, it's a drop. This one was completely uncatchable. It was a bad throw. Browns fans blame Odell. It's just weird to me. The love for Baker. The unconditional love of Baker. Because again, I, I've argued this shit till I was blue in the face. I've, t- I've tweeted people. I've texted arguments with people. Facebook, everything. I've stopped doing it recently. Um, but the, the way people defend him and then when you bring back factual stuff... They have nothing to say. They, they they just get crazy and they tell you you're a bad fan and you don't know football and Baker's so good and this and that. And it's just like, man, I really lose respect for people that do that. There are people that I used to go to for sports talk and like actually talk to. I don't mean that as like radio or, or something like that, professionals. There are people that I like to talk sports with and I used to like value their opinions. But now when they hype up Baker and they mean it, they're 100% like they think he's a franchise quarterback that deserves a huge contract. I, I stop going to them for things. Not to get political, but it's kind of the same thing with like politics. There were there were people that I respected their opinions and people I would go to for advice. And then when I saw how they acted when Trump was president, which again, I'm not here to get political. I don't care if you're red, red, blue, white, in the middle, left, right, center, whatever. It's just the way some people acted and like the stupidity of it all made me just kind of go, ooh, like I'm not going to that guy anymore for any advice because... Again, it's not like a because he voted Trump. It's just the way they act and like some of their thoughts. It makes me go, ooh, I don't want that guy's opinion on anything anymore. So that was a chair, not a fart. I'm going to go ahead and I need like a button that I can click that's like, not a fart. It just goes off in the background when I do that because this chair squeaks. But uh, but yeah, so those of you that don't know, uh, Odell Beckham's dad tweeted out a video that shows Odell being open for 11 minutes. Quite a montage video. I only made it through about three minutes of the video. I won't lie to you. I got about three minutes in and then I got depressed because it's just hammering home. Again, I'm not stupid. I know the video is not 11 minutes of plays where Baker should have and could have hit Odell. I get it. Sure, there are plays where maybe the design is to the right. He's never even going to look left. This play is specifically shown a run to have Odell as a decoy. I get that. There are plays where Odell might be running down the middle, but Baker has to run to the other side of the field because he's getting chased out of the pocket, which is rare because, again, we have the 90, uh, I think we're rated, we have a 91% pass protection rate or something like that I saw earlier. We're the best pass protecting team in football. Even with all the injuries that we've had, we're still the best. So to use pocket pressure as as an excuse is I'll, I'll listen. Sure. There's a, there's a couple plays here and there. Nobody's perfect. Other than that, you run out of excuses. Why isn't Baker getting the ball down the field? And that's not just Odell. That's everybody. Why aren't we throwing the ball downfield? And a lot of people are mad at Stefanski. I think Stefanski just realizes how limited Baker is. So that's out of the playbook. Why waste the play? Think about it. Let's go. Let's go through a three play drive right here. We get the ball. That's a team punts. We have the ball at the 20. We run Nick Chubb. We get four yards. Okay, it's second and six. You then go for a deep ball. Baker's 
percentage on deep balls this year is dreadful. I forgot exactly off the top of my head. I'm not even going to bother looking it up, but it's not good. We don't throw the ball that deep often anyway. But let's just say we go deep. It's incomplete. No penalties, nothing like that. Now you're at third and six. What do you do? Obviously, your strong suits the run game, but a six-yard run is a lot to ask out of your running back to, to keep a drive going. Do you pass? Are you confident in Baker? Let's say you do pass. Incomplete. Fourth down. Punt. That's it. Now on that second down play, you could have just run it another time. Maybe get another two, three yards. Now you're at third and four instead of third and six or third and three even. It's things like that that I don't think Browns fans really take take into consideration. For other teams, you can go deep when you have a good quarterback. Aaron Rodgers can go deep because he can put the ball on a dime. Russell Wilson can go deep because he could put the ball on a dime. Why can't the Browns? I take that back. Why won't Baker Mayfield? Because there are plenty of plays where you see a guy streaking down the field again. I go back to the play with David Njoku. One-on-one coverage. Immediately, a good quarterback sees that and goes... I'm throwing to this guy because I like my chances with this matchup. Baker doesn't trust himself to throw that ball. That's not a good thing. That's not a sign of a franchise quarterback when you don't trust your own arm. Because that's the only explanation I can think of for why he doesn't do it. So there's this vid- the video, and again, it's showing Odell open on, on plays. And it's, again, it made me sick. I watched it, and I'm just like, man, what could have been with these two? You watch this guy getting open still and. and I think a lot of problems with Browns fans is when you watch a game, and it happens to everybody. I mean, if you don't go back and rewatch it a second time or anything like that, you're not going to see these things. Your eye is focused on the ball. So when Baker Mayfield calls hike and he steps back, you're watching Baker. You're not watching everybody else, and then you watch where the ball goes. So if he only throws it to Landry, to Peoples-Jones, to Higgins, to the tight ends, to the running backs, that's all you see. You don't see what Odell's doing, especially if he's running and the camera's not even going to be on him. Then you go back and you see these plays in this video where they show plays where he's wide open, but you didn't see it on TV because you didn't pay attention to it live. And now you're like, huh, why wasn't he throwing the ball there to him? It was a weird dynamic between those two. They never got together. They never synced up. Uh, There was no connection. It was just not meant to be. It sucks. Again, I think the Odell Beckham era is safe to say is done in Cleveland because yesterday was the trade deadline. They did not trade him. Which is shocking, honestly. But the rumor was the New Orleans Saints were interested. But who knows what they were going to offer, why it didn't happen. I don't know. Then you fast forward to today. Odell Beckham came to practice. I have to just think that uh, they told him to maybe apologize. Maybe they told him... You know, to address the team, to, to you know, say something to Baker. Who knows? I really don't know what could have been said. All I know is that the Browns sent him home. Uh, apparently, the rumor is Kevin Stefanski addressed the team today and said that uh, basically life is going forward as if Odell's no longer a part of the organization. And that's that. Game, set, match. Odell Beckham era is more than likely done. Again, shame. Big, big shame. What could have been didn't work out. But to me, it is just weird that Browns fans think all of a sudden we're just going to be good because he's gone. The timing of it was weird last year. Odell goes down. Baker goes nuts against the Bengals defense. The rest of his season was okay. I mean, I'm I'm not blown away. Again, I said it earlier. 
I'm not blown away by Baker's season that he had last year, the second half of the season. It was against shitty opponents. Our running game was electric. We had no injuries. When Nick Chubb got hurt, our offense came to a screeching halt. Odell was out there for it. The offense wasn't moving. Then Nick Chubb came back. The offense got moving again. But everyone just says it's Odell. So we'll see what happens. Embarrassing performance on Sunday by the offense, in my opinion, overall. Everybody, I mean, the drops are inexcusable. Baker trying to play hurt, I think, is hurting the team more than it's helping. And this drama with Odell Beckham Jr. is extremely embarrassing icing on the cake for the week that was. You lose a 15-10 to 10 game to your biggest rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Embarrassing. Moving on to the rest of the NFL. In the week that was, I'll quickly recap some games. We had Thursday night football, um, which we actually talked about. That was the the Packers-Cardinals game because we recorded on Friday. Uh, Panthers beat the Falcons. I was wrong on that one. I don't know why I thought the Falcons. I mean, Kyle and I both, I guess, picked uh, Atlanta. Carolina is a fluky team. Who knows what they're really about? They possibly could be getting Christian McCaffrey back, which would be a great thing for them. Bills take care of business against the Dolphins. Took them a little while. Took them the whole first half to wake up, but they did, and they won 26-11. 49ers handled the Chicago Bears. Well, I won't say handled. It was actually a pretty good game until the fourth quarter. The 49ers pulled away with it, but uh, 49ers win. 3-4, Bears 3-5. Both teams pretty much suck. Eagles beat the shit out of the Lions. The poor, lowly Lions, 44-6. The Titans... Beat the Colts 34-31 to in overtime. Pretty good game, honestly. Uh, the only problem, sorry for you fantasy footballers out there, Derrick Henry hurt his foot, had surgery. No timetable for his return, but the initial rumors were season-ending. That would be just terrible because he was maybe on pace to be an MVP candidate, and legitimately so. He was having a hell of a year. He is the heart and soul of that team. And that's a huge crushing blow for the Tennessee Titans, who were trying to run away with the division, literally, with Derrick Henry. And that's only going to be getting tough. Tougher. The Rams handled the uh, Texans pretty easily. It was funny. 38 to nothing, they were winning into the fourth quarter, and they gave up 22 points in the fourth quarter. I think the Rams were just kind of bored. So 38-22, Rams win pretty easily. Patriots do it again. Patriots beat the young quarterback. They... Caused a couple turnovers from Justin Herbert, and they win a nail-biter 27-24. to Seattle beats the hell out of Urban Meyer and the Jaguars 31-7. to The Broncos handle the Washington football team 17-10. to Nothing exciting there. Jameis Winston tears his ACL out for the year. But Trevor Simeon comes in and doesn't matter because they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a shocker 36-27. to I was actually watching that game on Halloween day, evening, night, whatever you want to call it. And, uh... This is the stupidity of Browns fans. This is just where this is where I need to draw the line with some people, okay? Tom Brady gets the ball back less than two minutes to go. Game on the line. Throws a pick six. Nobody's perfect. So what do Browns fans do? They immediately go to Twitter and they say, oh, Tom Brady didn't go on the game-winning drive. He should be traded. I wonder if the, the he should be benched. Same thing happened with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray threw the interception instead of winning the game against the Packers. Browns fans immediately said, Oh, I wonder if the Cardinals are going to bench him. Obviously, I'm not lumping Kyler Murray and Tom Brady into the same category, but I've been seeing it even with Patrick Mahomes, who's having a bad season. I I take that back. 
Patrick Mahomes is struggling. If Baker Mayfield were playing like Patrick Mahomes right now, Browns fans would be ecstatic. Instead, they're using these excuses or these players as a as a uh, comparison to Baker. And they're saying, oh, should they cut this guy? Huh? Should they trade him now? Or should they put him on the bench? He stinks. If you're a Browns fan of you and you've ever used Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady as any type of argument comparison for, for Baker Mayfield, please let me know that you did that so I can be assured to never talk to you again about sports because that's one of the dumbest things you can do. Uh, you guys come off as complete fucking idiots when you say stuff like that. Uh, it just shows your un- your how unintelligent you are. I'm actually in a discussion with a guy on, on Twitter who I've never met. I think he knows my uncle. So that's how we kind of linked up. For whatever reason, I don't know if he's doing it to troll me because I've seen him tweet it to other people. So not to me. So I don't know if he knows that I could see it. I don't know. I use a different Twitter app than other people. So it's not the same. But uh, he bashes Miles Garrett. He says Miles Garrett doesn't make big plays. It's you know he's one of those guys. It's embarrassing that Miles did the graveyard. It's he shouldn't have dressed up. Blah blah blah. But then if you critique Baker Mayfield, it's always oh well Odell dropped it. So and so did this. So and so did that. But he bashes Miles Garrett. So I straight up told him again. Never met this guy. Only talk with him on Twitter. I'm just being honest. I told him how I feel. I said you know really makes me question your your football IQ if you have takes like that and he's like well how could you say that you've never met me how do you know about my football IQ I've been watching football for 40 years and blah 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 and I'm like honestly it's because of your defense of Baker and your critique of arguably the best player on our team we have a guy that leads the league in every stat that he can he can single-handedly affect sacks quarterback pressures tackles for loss things that he can do he leads the league in all of them Baker Mayfield isn't near the fucking top of anything in football, and yet he gets defended by people. So for that, I'm like, honestly, that's that's what makes me question people's football IQs. I can't have a legitimate conversation with somebody who has takes like that. That's just my opinion. And the people that lump Baker in with Tom Brady because he threw one pick six, but Baker threw an interception to end the game against Kansas City, and he's yet to have game-winning drives. Tom Brady's had game-winning drives in the Super Bowl multiple times. And people want to compare the two. It's just, it's asinine to me. It's truly crazy. Uh, Getting back to the scores, Dak Prescott was out. Cooper Rush comes in and it doesn't matter. They still beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings 20-16. And Monday Night Football, in a very ugly game, the Chiefs get the win to go to 500 over the New York football Giants. Sticking to football news really quick, the Las Vegas Raiders had a little incident this week. As if it wasn't bad enough of what happened with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs decided to go to, of all places, Top Golf, get blackout drunk with what the staff are reporting was 18 shots and multiple mixed drinks, then gets in his uh, Camaro, goes 156 miles an hour before trying to slam on his brakes only getting down to about 126 miles an hour as he rear-ends a RAV4, killing the woman and dog inside of it. I think it was a woman. I'm a, I apologize if I'm wrong. I thought it was a woman. Could be a guy. I don't really think they've given much detail about the victim. But killing a human and their dog. The car caught on fire because he hit it so fucking hard. He had a blood alcohol level of 1.161, which is twice the legal limit. 
more than twice the legal limit, I think. And they found a loaded handgun in his car. His bond or bail, whatever it's called, is set to $150,000, which I guess to him is not a big deal because he has a year of football under his belt. Not exactly sure how the contract's going to work out because I assume that's a major breach of contract. The Raiders have already released him. Uh, From what I read in, in Nevada, or at least Las Vegas, I don't know how the laws work, if it's by city or if it's by state, but apparently they have very strict laws. If you're in a DUI and a person dies, it is there's jail time, and that's that. So it looks like the Henry Ruggs career is over pretty much before it got started. He's done for. Uh, sucks for that family of the person that got killed, and, you know, it's I never understood why professional football players get DUIs. Never understood. You have all the money in the world for the most part. You have access to the Players Association, uh, like car services, and yet they still find ways to do stupid shit like that. And this one was not just a minor incident, like a DUI, as, as stupid as it is to get a DUI, especially for a pro athlete. At least you can kind of come away from that and just, you know, pay your do pay your service, do your uh, your community service, whatever they ask you to do, and move on with your life. This one killed somebody and he's fucked. He got cut, his career's over. All because he didn't want to call somebody. Doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I imagine the family for the the victim is gonna sue the fuck out of Top Golf and they're gonna ask why the hell would you serve a guy 18 shots and mixed drinks? Rightful question, I think. Really nothing to outrageous to ask a a company, a professional company like that. So hopefully by the time I get out to Vegas, they have all that cleaned up and it doesn't affect my trip whatsoever. Moving on to the Cavs, as I talked about a little bit of NBA action, there's really nothing going on in the NBA. Um, It's early in the season. Teams are trying to find their footing. Teams are still trying to adjust as we talked about last week, uh, Kyle and I. Sorry, I'm yawning. I'm very tired. Uh, Teams are still adjusting to that the the new rule changes and the lack of whistles, which is great. The Cavaliers, however, just won. I think they're five and four right now. They just beat the Portland Trailblazers, one hundred seven to one hundred four. Good game, go Cavs! From what I read, I didn't really watch a whole lot of the game. It looked like they were up for most of it, and the Blazers made it close towards the end. They did win on Monday night against the Hornets. Also, same thing. They had a huge lead, like a sixteen point lead. And it was a one-possession game in the final couple minutes. So the Cavs need to figure that out, that late-game defense. They really need to get that going. Other than that, they're fun to watch. I uh, I went into this season, as I told everybody, with no expectations at all. I'm remaining with those low expectations because I got duped before. I said it last week. I've said it a million times. I'm not getting hooked. So the, uh, the Cavs are looking good. But again, I'm only going to watch as a fan. And I'm going to have zero expectations for them. Because even then, let's be realistic, they're not a championship team. Last Friday night, as, as Kyle and I ended the show, they played the Los Angeles Lakers. The next night, they played the Phoenix Suns. Two championship contending teams. And both of them won relatively easily against us. So we're obviously not there yet. Beating LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets, not as big of a deal as it would have been if we beat the Lakers or Suns. Same thing with tonight. The Portland Trailblazers are not playing very well. And beating them is cool, but it's not anything I'm really that excited about. The only games that I am a little bit excited about at first was the the Atlanta Hawks game where we beat Trey Young and the Hawks. 
I was I was happy with it, but because of the new rule changes, it shows me how limited Trey Young is as an offensive player. He's not getting he's not scoring like he used to. And I think that's really because of the rule changes, and that's awesome, but it also it kinda weakens it lessens the win a little bit. It makes you kind of go, eh, well, maybe they would have beat us if this was last year. Which fuck it, it's not last year. A win's a win. That's how I look at it. Uh, then we beat the Denver Nuggets. Awesome win. Again, that's a that's a I wouldn't say a championship contender legitimately. I think they're a very good team. They're a Western Conference final contender. So to beat them was really cool. And then they had another win. I don't remember who it was. We talked about it last week. Who cares? I'm not re- going over the whole Cavs schedule. But they're playing well. They're winning games. They're fun to watch. These young guys are kind of coming to their own. Uh, Lori Markinen and uh, Kevin Love are both in COVID protocols. They're both not playing. Kevin Love stopped playing. I think it was Monday they announced his. And Lori Markinen was announced today. So some breaking news from the Cavaliers. A couple guys in COVID protocol. I think Dylan Wilder. Is that his name? think um hang on taking a sip here Windler I apologize Dylan Windler had 13 points I think that was his first action of the year so kudos to him maybe he did play another time this year I'm not really sure uh to be honest because like I said I I I don't watch every second of the Cavs games it's a little early and I've got other shit to do but uh not a bad game out of the Cavaliers, Dylan Windler. I'll just give you the quick box score to take a peek because I haven't really looked at it myself. Apparently, we started Dean Wade. That's disgusting. Kind of makes me want to throw up. Um, Dean Wade had seven points, three rebounds, two assists, 23 minutes. Nice. Uh, Jared Allen, the human double-double, 24-17. and 17. Great game from him. Evan Mobley. Potential rookie of the year? I don't know. Had 11 and 11. Great game for him. That's a really good game for a rookie. Colin Sexton, 21, 3 and 2. Darius Garland, who is turning himself into a pretty nice point guard and actually learning how to pass. And I'm very shocked and impressed by his improvement so far. My only issue with Darius Garland is he does this. He goes on spurts where he's dominant. Looks great. Then he might get a little banged up. And then he doesn't look the same. Doesn't play the same. But he had 19, 2 and 10. Nice double-double for him. Ricky Rubio, zero points off the bench, but seven assists in 31 minutes. And again, we won. So I don't look at stats and, and care. If Ricky Rubio doesn't score and we win, I'm cool with that. So big win for them. And that's going to bring us into week nine. So we're moving on. Odell and the Browns have finished the breakup. They're done. It looks like it's over. Uh, the Browns have basically come out and said that they are willing to Deshaun Watson him. They're willing to pay him to be on the 53-man roster and to stay away from the team indefinitely. That's crazy to me. If you're if you're moving on from him, move on. I don't get it. Are you that stubborn? Where he he made this his his dad shared this video that you're gonna then refuse him to go to go play for another team? Because that's all you're doing. You have to pay him regardless. If you're gonna pay him to not play and then cut him in the offseason, just cut him now. Get it over with. Why keep that distraction around the team? I don't like what the what the Browns are doing. This is honestly my biggest critique so far of the Stefanski Barry era. I don't know who has more of the who had more of the say in this. Uh, part of me thinks Andrew Barry, but I don't know. I don't really know who to blame. Irritated by it, that's for sure. 
That is for show. I just dropped a big piece of paper, but whatever. All right, let's get into picks for week nine. Kyle is not here, so he sent me his early, and I will read them off to you. I did this I did the scores last week. I am 84 and 36. Kyle is 81 and 39. So we have a nice little nail biter. Um, both of us had an even score last week of 10 and 5, and neither of us gained nor lost ground. This week is unfortunately going to be the same because he sent me his picks in advance. My picks were already done on my phone also. As I wrote them down, I realized we have identical picks. So let's get to them. It actually is going to save some time. I don't have to go over both of them. It's going to be pretty easy to do this. So we'll start off with Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football is the Indianapolis Colts at the New York Jets. New York Jets did surprisingly win last week. I think I skipped over that game. My apologies. Uh, Bengals and Jets played in Week 8, and the Bengals uh, lost, which, uh, from what I heard, that screwed so many people over on their survivor, survivor pools. Because, obviously, who wouldn't pick the Bengals, who are were, at the time, one of the hottest teams in football? Now, I did watch the end of that game. They put it on right after the Browns game ended, so I wanted to stay and watch it at my buddy's house, because, you know, it's an important game. Browns, A, play the Bengals this week, and B, Bengals are in our division, so I want to see our division games play, or division teams play. Towards the end of the game, I got to give credit to the Bengals. Uh, a little bit, not credit, I guess, not not the word I'm looking for. Um, there was a really bad play call. Uh, a guy on the the Jets, I don't remember who. I think it was Michael Carter, whatever the running back. Somebody was running, and a player, I don't remember who the fucking player was on the on the Bengals either. I don't really care. Uh, but a player on the Bengals was going to make the tackle, and the guy on the the Jets lowered his head. Now, the guy in the Bengals was already established. He was low with his, his helmet to make the tackle, like midsection area. I think it was Michael Carter. He then ducked his head and got helmet-to-helmet contact. The refs blew the whistle, called it helmet-to-helmet contact, unsportsmanlike contact, conduct, automatic first down. It cost the Bengals the game. A, fuck them, because they're the Bengals. Obviously, I want them to lose. But B, man, these refs this year have been atrocious. They have been really bad. There was actually a play on Monday Night Football where... Uh, Travis Kelsey caught a ball over the middle, was running for the first down, got tackled. Quick glance, looked like a face mask. Upon further review, was not. But because of the way the referees are, they're human, they don't go back and check things, they called it a face mask. Boom, 15-yard penalty. Uh, The Chiefs moved the ball. I don't think that 15 yards makes that much of a difference because the Chiefs had to kick a field goal anyway. And there was still like three minutes on the clock, so it's not like it was... uh, Without that play, they don't kick the game-winning field goal kind of thing. But it was a huge momentum shift against the Giants. It was a huge momentum shift. I was going to say switch, but that's not right. Momentum shift for even the Chiefs. Got them going a little bit. And they won the game. But again, bad calls. Really bad calls from the ref. Browns fans only want to blame the refs for their team losing. Meanwhile, if you just watch a couple of football games, you're going to see some really bad calls. And you're going to watch it all around. So it's getting ugly. NFL officiating. But uh, that gets me to this week one here. We both took Indianapolis. Pretty easy, no-brainer pick. I know they just beat the Bengals. I know Zach Wilson's out. They're going with Mike White, who actually won the... He won the coveted Baker Mayfield Award, the FedEx Passer of the Week, AFC Player of the Week. He threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns or something like that. So in one game, he had about half of Baker Mayfield's stats. Against the same defense Baker Mayfield is facing in three days. 
or four days, however you look at it. It's Wednesday night. I don't know how you guys count your days. Okay. Four days. Sure. Sunday, whatever. I'm not saying Baker needs to go out there and throw for 400 yards and two to three touchdowns because of Mike White. However, all I know is Baker shouldn't struggle if Mike White can play that well. That's all I can say. I'm not, I'm not a guy that's going to compare stats, but don't struggle is all I ask. Okay. Cincinnati and Cleveland is the next game on the docket. I'm going to save that one for the end as I always do. So let's get into, if my computer would work, that would be really cool. Oh, really quick. I forgot to bring this one up. I apologize. The trade deadline happened, came and went. Nothing really too crazy, but one surprise. The Los Angeles Rams are in it to fucking win it. They traded a second and a third round pick to the Denver Broncos for Von Miller. Von Miller now gets to line up with Aaron Donald, with Jalen Ramsey. That defense is fucking stacked. Their offense is one of the best in football. Look out. The Rams are a legitimate contender, folks. I know they got their asses kicked by the uh, the Cardinals a few weeks ago, but I think the Cardinals are kind of going to be snapped down to reality. Kyler Murray's banged up. Don't let him fool you. He was limping off the field against the, the, the Packers last Thursday, which was a week ago. So they haven't played in a week, and he missed practice today because of that ankle injury. He says he's fine, but for a mobile quarterback, an ankle is a huge part of your mobility. So keep your eyes peeled on that. I said it from the beginning. I don't think Arizona is a legitimate contender. I think they're kind of like a fluky team. Every year, there's always that kind of team that starts off really hot that goes like 12 and four, and then they don't win the Super Bowl because, you know, they're like the Ravens or somebody like that. So I'm not a big Arizona believer, but. The Rams, I'm starting to really fucking believe in, to be honest. Broncos at Cowboys. We both picked Broncos. I think this is a pretty easy pick, especially if Dak Prescott is healthy. But the way the Cowboys have been kind of lying and keeping us in the dark about that, you never know. Because they didn't announce Dak wouldn't play against the Vikings last week until warm-ups. He went out there, he warmed up. They said, nope, you're not playing. So Cooper Rush got the win. Even if Cooper Rush plays, I still kind of might go with the Cowboys. Because Denver is that bad of a team. And then again, Denver just got rid of Von Miller. They traded a couple other guys away. So to me, from an outsider's perspective, if I'm on that team, I look at it as the Broncos gave up. That's just me. If you're on the Broncos, I think you really feel like they gave up. And maybe you don't go into this game with a lot of momentum. Or with a lot of care, I guess is the word. Like, who gives a fuck? Next up, we have the Houston Texans against the Miami Dolphins. Both 1-7. and seven. Both are having horrible years. Terod Taylor is expected to be back for the Texans, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the, the Dolphins win this one at home, as does Kyle. Next up, this is a tough one. I'm not going to lie to you. We have the Falcons going up against the Saints. Saints are 5-2, and two, but again, Jameis Winston out for the year. They're either starting Taysom Hill or uh, Trevor Simeon is their starting quarterback. I think that really hurts them. They do have a very good defense, though. And, I mean, don't... Don't look now, but the Falcons are actually... Matt Ryan's having a really good year. Their defense has always been their kryptonite. Their defense sucks. Uh, but the Falcons, I don't know. I kind of want to pick them. I heard a guy on the radio today, a Vegas guy, who gives his like weekly free picks. And this was one of them. He said, take the Falcons plus six. He said the news out of New Orleans with the injury to J- Jameis Winston is going to hurt the team a little bit. Then the news broke today that Michael Thomas basically declared that he is out for the year. So a lot of big, big news stories happening down in New Orleans. And then you have Taysom Hill coming back. And we all watch Taysom Hill play. He's not very good. So 
they say bang the table on uh, uh, Atlanta plus six. But since we do straight pick a money line here, I kind of want to go with New Orleans. Do I think New Orleans could only win by like one or two or three? Sure. But we don't play with a spread, so we both went with New Orleans. Now, if you're going to this game and you plan on tailgating, please Uber and Uber home. You have the Los Angeles or Las Vegas Raiders taking on the New York football giants in New York. Don't know their DUI laws, but I just don't think you want to get one or murder anybody anyway. So try to avoid it. Well, it's New Jersey. Technically stupid. They play in New Jersey, but they're New York teams. I don't get it. Anyway, uh, we both took the Raiders here, even with Henry Ruggs out, even with the John Gruden drama, the Giants are just a bad team. I've seen them play in a couple primetime games. I've seen them just look terrible. And I'm going to keep stick with that. So we both took the Raiders. Raiders are only a three-point favorite, though. Kind of low. So we'll see what happens. Maybe all these distractions in the in Vegas start to kind of add up. Because Vegas is known for that. They're known for starting off as a pretty decent team and then having a colossal failed second half. So we'll see what happens with them. New coach. Maybe they can keep the momentum going. But again, with the John Gruden drama, now the Henry Ruggs drama, that's a lot to overcome. And you Browns fans think you have it bad with your wide receiver. <sighs> Odell Beckham's a fucking church boy compared to Henry Ruggs now. Count your blessings, Browns fans. Next up, New England Patriots, 4-4 four and four against the Panthers, who are 4-4. Four and four. Bill Belichick just knows how to shut down bad quarterbacks, and I think that's going to happen here with Sam Darnold. Uh, if Christian McCaffrey plays, which they're, they're hoping he does, but there's no guarantee, that definitely helps. But I think I'm just going to, right now, I'm going to roll with Bill and the, and the Patriots. I, I don't think they're a very good team. Uh, Mac Jones is putting up very, very average at best numbers. He's just a game manager. But it's enough. They're winning. We both took New England. This one was a tough one. Buffalo Bills against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what I mean by that is it was tough to not laugh because obviously we both took fucking Buffalo. Do I even need to tell you guys anything else? Come on. Minnesota Vikings travel to Crab Country for the Baltimore Ravens. Only a minus six spread for Baltimore. They're the favorite. Six isn't a ton. Uh, Minnesota's been known to every once in a while they score some points. Don't think their defense, though, however, is going to be able to really stop the Ravens who are a little bit healthier because they just come off a bye. They're coming off a bye week. Uh, they're coming off that embarrassing embarrassment of a game against the Bengals. Uh, I think the Ravens are kind of out for blood. I think they beat the Vikings pretty easily, uh, as does Kyle. How the mighty have fallen. The Los Angeles Chargers, just a couple of weeks ago, were the number one team in the AFC. They are now 4-3 and three and hoping to continue a little bit of success because before you know it, everybody that was counting out the Kansas City Chiefs now have a reason to kind of look in the rearview mirror a little bit. The Raiders are only 5-2. and two, The Chargers are 4-3. and three, And then again, lo and behold, the Chiefs are 4-4 four and four, right behind them. As are the Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. I think they're 4-4 four and four as well. So everybody in the AFC West is doing pretty good. So it's anybody's game. Chargers need this win. They're taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 3-5. and five. This is a close one. Chargers are only a, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So Vegas expects this one to be kind of tight, almost just a pick em game. But we both decided to pick the Chargers. Eagles are also 0-3 at home. Chargers are 2-1, so they can travel well. 
Eagles, for some reason, can't even play well at home. Next up, what would have been the game of the fucking week, the Packers against the Chiefs, but Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID today. He is officially out. The other fucked up thing about this situation is Aaron Rodgers told people he was vaccinated. Turns out he is not. So previous COVID protocols come into place from last year where there was no vaccination. So more than likely, Aaron Rodgers is out for two weeks. Aaron Rodgers is now going to miss the game of the year for them, arguably. Kansas City and Green Bay literally could have been the game of the year. Now he won't be there. And that's huge. Because you're at Kansas City. It's a tough place to play. Jordan loves getting his first career start. Not going to be easy. Even against a Packers defense that's not very good, they played pretty well on Monday night, to be honest. I'm not a huge believer in Daniel Jones and the Giants, so it's not like they shut out some great they're shut down some great defense. But holding them 17 points is pretty good. Patrick Mahomes just couldn't get the offense going. They had some fumbles. They had an interception by Mahomes. Same woes for the offense, but the defense looked okay. The Kansas City Chiefs also traded for Melvin Ingram, who's been rotting on the Steelers' bench. They expect him to possibly contribute on Sunday, which would be a big improvement for them, add a little bit of bolster up that pass rush. We'll see what happens there. But uh, but again, Aaron Rodgers is probably out for two weeks. And this week's a tough one against Kansas City Chiefs, because if I'm not mistaken, if I read correctly, um, the spread for this game going into it was... I think one point for Kansas City. Kansas City was a one-point favorite. Now the Aaron Rodgers news broke, seven and a half. So basically, Vegas says Packers don't have a shot in hell to win this game anymore without Aaron Rodgers. Next week, they'll play the Seattle Seahawks. We'll see if he's allowed back. Again, I'm not really positive on the protocols, but I think if you're not vaccinated and you test positive, it's 10 days minimum. And if I think that would maybe get him back on like Saturday, he'd have to have like two negative tests. So it's kind of wishful thinking. It's almost looking like he is out for two weeks. Seattle's not a very good team uh, as is, and now they're playing with Geno Smith. I think the Packers might have the advantage in that game, but it also really depends on how they look on Sunday. Maybe the, maybe Jordan Love is the real deal. I don't think so, but maybe he is, and we'll find out. But uh, we both took the Chiefs. Obviously, before that news broke today, I had the Packers picked. No-brainer. But that news changes things. Give me the give me give us the Chiefs. Speaking of Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, we have an NFC West matchup. Cardinals against the Niners. Niners are not a very good team. Cardinals are, but who knows about that injury? Kyler Murray didn't practice today. As far as I'm concerned, he's playing. I don't. I you know they haven't announced anything otherwise. I assume he is. Uh, the spread though. It's tight. Arizona, minus one. So I think Vegas kind of knows something about Kyler Murray. Maybe once he officially practices, the spread goes up. But right now, it's minus one. But we both took Arizona. I just think you got to go with the better team. I don't I don't really trust the Niners. Uh, the run game sucks. Or run D sucks, I'm sorry. And that's the strong suit of the Niners. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm just going to go with the better team. Speaking of COVID players, A.J. Green tested positive today. So he is officially out, but I don't think that's an, an impactful loss for them. You still have Christian Kirk. You still have um, DeAndre Hopkins. You now have Zach Ertz. You have some pieces there. You have Rondale Moore. So I don't think losing A.J. Green is that huge loss like it could be for other teams, like a Devontae Adams or something like that was for the Packers last week. So give us the Cardinals. 
Sunday Night Football, what could have been, if Derrick Henry were playing, you would have had Derrick Henry and the Titans against the, Lo- the Los Angeles Rams. Now I think it's going to be a Rams blowout. Rams are favored by 7.5, and, and we both took the Rams pretty convincingly. The AFC North opens up a little bit with this because the Colts should win tomorrow, and that would put them at, I think, 4-5, and five, I think is their record. I have to check. I'm sorry. Give me a second here. Yeah, it would put them at 4-5. and five. And then a loss to the Titans is going to put the Titans at 6-3. and three. So only a couple of games will we'll split the two. And I listened to a lot of people on the radio this week, and they bash the Colts. And they're like, oh, the Colts suck. The Titans are going to win that division. Who cares? I mean, the Colts literally just took the Titans to overtime on Sunday. They lost by a field goal. To say that they suck and they have no chance. I mean, they were right in there neck and neck. And now this is could potentially be only a... Uh, two-game lead for the Titans with a lot of football left to play. So the AFC South is wide open, in my opinion. But we'll see. We have the Rams. And then Monday Night Football, I honestly probably won't watch unless I go on Twitter and someone's like, holy shit, Justin Fields is lighting up the Steelers. Other than that, I'm probably not going to watch. The poor guy gets sacked more than anybody, and he's going up against one of the best pass-rushing defenses in football. Um we both took Pittsburgh. I expect it to be an ugly game. I really don't have any interest in it. The one thing, though, is, you know, Miles Garrett's got a two-sack lead, I think, maybe three, two and a half, three, over J.J. Watt. And you're going up against the Bengals. Bengals are not known for their offensive line, so I'm really hoping Miles Garrett gets a couple of sacks because I expect J.J. Watt to get a couple of sacks, if not more, on Monday night. So if Miles Garrett wants to stay in the lead for sacks, this is a good week to do it. And it's also a really good week for uh, T.J. Watt because Miles Garrett had, what, four or five sacks against the Bears this year? Imagine what T.J. Watt's going to do. And not just I'm not saying T.J. Watt's the better player, just the defense overall is better and their scheme is better. I don't like Joe Woods, personally. So we'll get into that. That leads us to the Browns and the Bengals. Obviously, everyone in the city of Cleveland is down on the Browns. They played like shit last week. Uh, They have all this drama, in-house fighting, bullshit going on. Who could look at that team and go, you know what? They're going to be just fine. Nobody. You're lying if you say that. So we both went with Cincinnati. Pretty easy to pick that. Uh, Until proven otherwise, I just really, I mean, I don't even have anything to break down about this week. I just think we're going to lose because we are a broken team. I think... Until I'm proven otherwise, you know, again, with the Baker Mayfield stuff, sure, he could have a fluky game. Maybe he goes out there and lights up this Cincinnati defense. The same Cincinnati defense that, again, just gave up 400 yards to Mike White. It's not like he's doing it up against the Buccaneers or the Rams or somebody like that. A good defense. He's doing it against the Bengals, if it happens at all. My big takeaway for this game is I think it's going to be a shootout. The Cincinnati offense looks legit. They have yet to really be be slowed down, slowed down by anybody. And from seeing the Browns play, they're kind of Jekyll and Hyde a little bit. They they have good games where they, you know, again, the Steelers offense isn't very good, but they held them to 15 points. That's impressive. The Bengals offense is pretty good. What can they do with them? So I expect this one to be a little bit of a shootout, but I don't think the Browns have the firepower to keep up. I think teams have the formula to stop Kevin Stefanski's offense with Baker Mayfield. I'm not blaming Stefanski at all. I don't think Stefanski's a problem. 
There's a lot of fans that are questioning his play calling and questioning this and that. I don't question Kevin Stefanski. He likes to blame himself. He says he needs to put the players in a better position. He needs to do a better job of this. He needs to do a better job of that. At the end of the day, I think his game plans are great. I think his positions where he has the players are perfect. It's up to the quarterback to distribute the ball properly. Baker Mayfield is not going through his progressions like a normal quarterback should. He's throwing the ball a little too quickly. He has happy feet. He's holding the ball too long. He is stalling the offense. He's fucking things up. He's inaccurate. All these issues have nothing to do with Stefanski. Stefanski's play calling is is fine. It's the execution that's putrid. Until that gets corrected, I am a non-believer of the Cleveland Browns, and I said it before the season started. With Baker Mayfield, you're limited anyway. If you really thought you were a Super Bowl contender as a Browns fan, you're fucking naive, and that's that. I mean, I got nothing else to say on that that front. So that's all I got. We both picked the Bengals. Uh, we expect it to be I don't expect it to be that close of a game the way the Bengals have been playing. I know they lost last week, but they still put up like 30 points. The week before that, they blew the doors off the, the Ravens. Imagine what they're going to do to this team. Unless Joe Woods figured some shit out, as I said a couple of minutes ago, I am not a Joe Woods believer. I don't think Joe Woods calls decent game plans for the defense. I think they play soft. I just, I don't know. I don't like his scheme. I don't like any of his play calling. Pretty much everything Joe Woods has done so far this year, I've hated uh, and it shows. I mean, look at how many... We have one of the worst secondaries statistically in football. We, we've given up some of the like the most passing touchdowns or close to in football. Uh, we have two first-round draft picks as at corner. We have a second-round draft pick at corner in Greedy Williams. We have these stud safeties, supposedly. We have Miles Garrett. We have Jadavian Clowney. And we still can't stop people. Uh, I know JOK's hurt. Hopefully he comes back next week. But he will not be there this week. That's not good. Obviously, but till he's back, he was a, he was a very impactful player on the defense. Don't get me wrong, he was out there against the Chargers, and Justin Herbert lit us the fuck up. We couldn't stop Austin Eckler, we couldn't stop Mike Williams. It didn't make a difference. So he's good, but he's not game changing good yet. Hopefully that changes, but we'll see in the future. So yeah, we both picked the Bengals. Pretty easy to pick there. I'm we're both very down on the Browns. I think most people in Cleveland are very down on the Browns, and until I see some stability. I'll continue to be down on the Browns, and I really don't expect anything to change. They have one of the toughest schedules going out for the rest of the season. Uh, off the top of my head, before this game starts, we have the Bengals twice. We have the Steelers twice. We have at Pittsburgh, at Green Bay. We play the Raiders at home, and the Lions. I think that's the final games of the year. I think I got them all. Maybe I missed one. So, oh, the Patriots were at New England. Tough-ass schedule. Super tough schedule. If you're a Browns fan and you still think there's a chance for 6 and uh, or 10 and, I'm sorry, 10 and 7, because there's 17 games now. So 11 and 6, 10 and 7. If you really think that's, that's you know, going to happen, good luck. Look at that schedule and tell me where you're getting those 6 or 7 wins. Because I don't see it. Hate to be that guy. We're at week 8. But I think it's safe to say the season might just about be over. For It's funny because a lot of people said that the Denver game was a must win. Case Keenum starting, Baker's hurt, must win, momentum changing game. We won. We go to Pittsburgh, we play Pittsburgh the next week, and we lose 15 to 10. So if that was a must win, why is the Steelers game not a must win? In my opinion, it was. They blew it. That's where you kind of establish dominance in the AFC North. Your first division game of the year. You're playing a, a, the arguably the worst team in the division, what everybody thought, and you lost to them. So to me, that's it. And then all this drama that happened during the week, we're done. Game over. 
Stick a fork in the Browns, ladies and gentlemen. They are cooked. And that's going to do it for me. I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully Kyle's good to go next week. You guys don't have to suffer through me for an hour 15. If you liked it, great. If not, go fuck yourself. I don't care. All right, I'll talk to you soon.